Hello and welcome to Preparing Foster Youth for Adulting, the podcast designed to highlight strategies and resources that help youth in care transition to adulthood successfully. Our guest today is Sue Evans, Chief Operating Officer at Walden Family Services based in San Diego, California. Well, welcome, Sue. Thank you so much for joining our podcast series. How are you doing today? I am doing great, and I'm just very pleased to be able to share some of the work we do together with many other wonderful organizations here in Southern California. I'm very interested in hearing all about that. To get started, before we dive into your organization, could you please share a little bit about yourself and how it is that you came to be connected with the foster care system? Yes, I have been working in foster care for over 30 years. I trained as a social worker many years ago in the 80s in England, where I worked for a number of years in child protective services and really went towards the field of working with children coming into the foster care system and reunifying them with their families. And when I moved here to the United States, I moved to California and I started working at Walden Family Services 21 years ago and really began to work creating and making sure that we had programs that served all children everywhere, really believing our mission and values that every child deserved the right to grow up living in a family setting. I worked together with my colleagues, creating new programs, developing our programs to make sure we had programs that served every child, whether that child had medical needs, disabilities, healthcare needs, was a teen, that every child had the opportunity to be matched with a family until they could either return to their extended family in their communities or to move forward to stay with a Walden family as they move through their childhood. And how long has Walden been in existence? You joined them 21 years ago, but how long have they been around? Walden was created in 76, so we're over 40 years old. Initially at that time, it was for group care, kind of congregate group care, and was then became one of the first agencies to become a foster care agency, a foster family agency here in California. And when I joined, we had programs to provide foster care throughout Southern California. We have offices covering in LA, Riverside, San Bernardino, and San Diego counties. And at that time, there were many children who it was a challenge to find families for them, especially those children who had health care needs. So together with my organization, I helped develop one of the first medically fragile foster care programs, which went on to help develop and offer homes to many, many children. Ever since I started, Walden have worked hard to advocate for youth, recognizing that our youth at the age of 18 were not ready to go out independently and seeing, sadly, some of the challenges our youth faced. At that time, we developed a grant-funded program to offer continued support to our youth when they turned 18, help them, support them with finding housing, providing case management services. And we advocated along with other organizations here in California to really support changes in legislation, to change foster care so youth could choose to stay in foster care as non-minor dependents up until they were 21. So the extended foster care. Correct. 
And were you the first state that had done that? Or were you following in the footsteps of other states? We were not the first, but we were one of the the first to actively pursue extended foster care. A lot of states now do have extended foster care, sadly not all. And the legislation is quite liberal in California that allows our youth to choose to stay in. They can choose to leave at 18, but they can choose to come back, recognizing that at 18 they are adults and can make informed decisions. And the nice thing is that they can choose to come or go. So once they decide that maybe they want to live on their own, they may find some challenges and want the help again, they can come back in and we can provide that to them, which is something that is really important. As soon as that was changed, the state of California brought out a new license for housing for extended foster youth called transitional housing. And I actually applied for our licenses and we were one of the first agencies to start providing the housing for foster youth over eight years ago now. I was going to ask, when did that take place? Eight years? Just over eight years ago, we started with our first couple of youth and then It rapidly grew and rapidly grew. And I believe last year we served over 350 youth in our transitional housing aged between 18 and 21. And are these youth that were already in your program and they moved into the transitional housing? Or were you also taking young people from other agencies into the housing? How did that typically work? We accept any youth that's eligible. So sometimes they may be from ours, but in the vast majority of cases, they're from our fellow agencies. We all work together. We do have some contracts with the counties and those referrals come through to any eligible youth who has been in foster care is eligible to apply for our program. We very much believe in giving every youth a chance, regardless of what their situation has been to actually come into the program. And as well as just providing housing, because we know providing housing isn't sufficient to help our young people become independent. So we provide it with case management services, assisting our youth in all different areas of their life in order that they can become successful young people and live independently and give back to their community in the future. I'd like to learn more about the case management services. Before we do that, let me dig into the housing a little bit more. What does that look like right now? Is it apartment buildings or tiny homes? I know there are a lot of different models out there. What does your model look like? Do they live in rooms with roommates? You know, I'm just trying to get a picture of what that's like. Our model is that we actually go into the community and we rent apartments from local apartment complexes. And we are the corporate leaseholders at Walden. So I have um, housing managers who go out and they talk about the program with different apartment complexes and we will rent apartments directly. Uh, We like our youth to be living in the community that they have some connection with. So if I have a youth come to us and they have been living in, say, an area of L.A., they have a connection, maybe a mentor, maybe they're going to community college there we try and make sure we're providing housing where they already have some positive life connections. And we either do a studio or a one bedroom or a two bedroom where two youth live together. Every youth has their own room. We do not have any shared rooms. 
So let me understand this. This so you have a young person. This young person has a need for an apartment, place to live. Then you go find it, or do you have rentals all over the place, and then you're trying to match them with the young people based on where they live? Um, both. At this point, after so many years, we have rentals all over the place. Um, so we often know that maybe one youth will be leaving this rental, which will leave a rental free. And we also do some individual, you know, we'll have a youth really wanting to live in this area and we will go and look for specific apartments in certain areas. So it's a combination. Mainly, though, we have a pretty good idea of where our youth want to be. Our youth, for example, want to be near the community colleges, near where there's job opportunities. So there's certain areas that a lot of youth want to live in, like certain areas in L.A. uh, where youth can have access to a lot of good services. So we do have a number of apartment complexes where we may rent, you know, six, seven or eight apartments. Those apartment complexes know us and we'll say, OK, we have another apartment will be coming up in the next five or six weeks and we will be able to, you know, accept that apartment in that complex as well. OK, so how is it that the young people qualify to be part of this transitional housing? Do they have to have a job, for example, to be able to move into this transitional living arrangement? Qualification is that they have to have been in foster care and they have to have kind of left foster care after a certain period. And their qualification is approved by the county, whichever county they were in foster care. Now, they maybe have been in foster care in Central California, but be living in Southern California. They're still eligible to come into our program. It's just that the county of origin has to make sure that they meet the eligibility. So that is your eligibility. And then we work with our young people on employment, education, and all the life skills needed in order to be able to move on successfully. And what are the ages of the young people who are participating in your housing program? I understand the qualifications, what they need to be able to get into the program. But for example, how how long can they apply up to the age of, say, 26, for example? This program is funded through the state of California up until they are 21. Although under the COVID changes, under some of the money that came through, our young people have been able to stay beyond their 21st birthday. Um, And I can come back and explain that a little later. But uh, the program is 18 through 21. And then Walden also has a small program in some areas. We actually started one program for LA County in the middle of the pandemic in July for PLUS housing, which is for former foster youth and that program, youth can choose to stay in up to three years, up until about the age of 25. There are a few beds in that program. But our very large transitional housing for foster youth, like many things, it's a lot of initials, THPPNMD. We are working hard from the beginning with youth, helping identify where they want to get to by the time they're ready to leave the program, because this program is really giving enough skills to help prevent homelessness. So we want to make sure that we're helping from the beginning them uh, look towards other programs or how they will move into independent living themselves. Right. And so how is it that you handle rent? Is the rent the full price or do you enable them to have a discounted rent because of their participation in the program? So Walden pay all the rents, depending which county they live in. um, Some of the youth will pay money, a small portion of money towards their rent. 
And that money actually goes into a savings account. It is not taken by the agency for rent. It goes into a youth-specific savings account. And on top of that, we encourage our youth to also pay in some savings money and we do a savings match. And all that money goes into an account for them so that when they leave our program, they should be able to have saved up sufficient money that would go for, say, a down payment on an apartment or it would maybe help them purchase a car. We've had youth who have been very successful at saving five or more thousand dollars, which will help them set themselves up. And do you provide some kind of financial counseling to help them make good choices? Yes, yes. So part of the program is a lot of trainings. Um, It's not only Walden doing the trainings, we work with multiple other organizations. We work very closely in partnership because we never want to duplicate our expertise, maybe the case management in the housing. Other organizations provide excellent mentoring skills, financial training skills. For example, some of the local banks will do trainings for our youth. We also utilize a whole range of different internship programs available for our youth. We will link them with the multiple different programs to help them get work experience, help them apply for jobs. We have an employment education specialist who sets up many of the trainings and many of the opportunities how to write a resume. We have practices. We'll take them to different job fairs and give them all those opportunities to develop some employment skills while they're with us. And in addition, our first goal is making sure that our youth, if they have not finished high school, re-enroll in um, their high school graduation, because we know it's extremely difficult to achieve a high enough employment without your high school graduation. So our first is to really help our youth achieve that high school graduation. After our youth have graduated, we're always looking with them about how they can be linked into uh, California has wonderful community college programs. Our youth do get some priority in enrolling. Most of those programs will have foster care liaison and our staff work very closely helping our youth either participate in community college, in vocational jobs, be able to uh, take opportunity of utilizing some of those internships to get all those skills together so that they can move on to earn above minimum wage in order that they can support themselves and their children do work with a lot of pregnant and parenting youth as well. You know, it's really nice to hear that you partner as much as you do, because I am a big believer in not recreating the wheel if you don't have to. Absolutely. Yeah. If there are programs around that you can partner with to achieve the outcomes that you're trying to get, why not? Absolutely. And there's amazing different programs throughout Southern California that really reach out and work with all of them in different ways and really try and help link our youth to those multiple different programs. And the overall is that we want our youth to be able to move on to be successful and that success is measured by having housing, by having job skills by having some educational vocational skills. And of course, those that are pregnant or parenting, we do have a comprehensive parenting program, the Nurturing Parenting Program, really working on those parenting skills, not only with our young mums, but also expectant or our dads. Right. So the case management aspect of your program, is that primarily having somebody talk with a young person, help identify their goals and connecting them with the partners that can help them get there? Yes, we have one case manager for up to 12 youth. 
it can be pretty intensive case management because a lot of our youth need a lot of support. Sadly, many of our youth don't have an adult figure that they can turn to. So we really try hard to help them identify a mentor and also support and help them as much as possible in linking with all those community supports. So each case manager has 12 youth. In addition, we have education employment specialists. We have a parenting specialist and we make sure that our youth are seen Nowadays, a lot of it is on Zoom or another video link at least every week. We provide multiple trainings every month and multiple types of support groups um, and assistance and link them to multiple other different opportunities in their community. The adults working with the young people, are these all staff or do you also draw from a pool of volunteers? We actually have staff. Each staff is either a bachelor or master's level social worker with experience at working with young people. So they're pretty highly trained. And as I said, the caseloads are very low because we understand that it's a lot of support some of our young people need. In addition, we have housing specialists who work in finding the apartments and also making sure that they're furnished. Because when the youth move in, the youth can just move in. The apartments are completely furnished with brand new bedding. They're given food. Everything is there ready for them to move in. Because remember, many of our youth may be moving in from homelessness or moving in with nothing. So we need to make sure our youth can start with what they need in order to be successful. And once our youth successfully graduate from the program, they're able to take all those items with them if they wish to. Wow, that's fantastic. That really is something because then they don't have to worry about having to buy all of that. Yes. In an ideal world, if rents were not so expensive in our area, we really would love our youth to be able to take on some of the leases. But sadly, with the high, high cost of rent in Southern California, most of our youth are going to be moving when they leave us either into another housing program or into um, maybe shared living with friends. So maybe in a shared house, but absolutely they can take those items with them. Well, that's how I got started. I shared an apartment with my sister and then shared an apartment with a friend. Sometimes you got to do that just to get off the ground. Yes, And there's also some other great schemes in that there are some housing schemes that allow our youth to move into some HUD housing now for so many years if they're eligible, which is helping. Because especially in areas like LA, housing is so scarce and so expensive. It can be overwhelming at times. So, you know, we're always working with other potential housing programs, helping our youth take those next steps. Um, And that's why we work so hard with our youth to develop those skills. For example, in most of our counties, our youth, they will have the utility bills in their name to help develop credit and help to get used to paying those utility bills when they have a support worker checking with them. Because for many, if you've never had to even pay a utility bill before, that can be overwhelming for you. So we, we help with budgeting, purchasing food. We work making healthy meals, and as well recognizing that many of our young people, having come from such trauma, many of our young people benefit from some mental health support services. Some of our counties, we have a mental health clinic and the youth can utilize our therapists. In other counties, we have close links with other mental health services that, again, our youth can utilize. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Now, do you do any training with the landlords or rental management companies in regard to working with young people who have foster care in their backgrounds? Our housing managers do kind of individual sessions. Actually, especially when we first started up, it was very difficult to persuade apartment owners to rent to us. Because you're saying, okay, we're the corporate leaseholders, but we're placing these young people. So our housing specialists have developed very good relationships with certain apartment complexes, and they kind of work with them. And now the apartment complexes, many of them we work with, actually like working with us. And they will call us because they know that we're there to help resolve any issues. And we always pay the rent as an organization, but we were also there immediately helping resolve any issues that come up, which they appreciate. So it's been very much individual rather than a larger kind of group training. I see. One of the questions I wanted to ask about that was how you would recommend, if somebody listening was interested in utilizing that same model, what would you recommend as far as partnering with landlords or rental management companies to get this started? And it sounds like that's probably a key feature is have one person build those relationships. Yes, absolutely. As a personal kind of building up that relationship, talking with them, explaining about the program. And you'll often find uh, someone will say at the management company, oh, you know, I, I knew someone who is in foster care or a relative has worked in this field and really kind of finding some joint kind of way of linking with that person that they too can help society by offering some apartments to our young people and what a difference it can make. So really kind of building up and really selling the program, really reassuring that any issues that come up that you will be available and making sure that we are available. You know, we do have 24 hour on call service. So if a situation should happen after hours, that they can reach someone and we can assist in kind of resolving whatever issue it may be. Right. That's excellent information. Thank you. Now, you said primarily you're trying to impact homelessness and reduce homelessness. You've been doing this particular program, the housing program, for eight years now. Do you have some evidence, measurements in regard to having a positive impact on homelessness? Yes. We actually join in with the stats through John Burton Advocates for Youth through California, and we enter all our stats into the database. And there's a lot of research showing that the number of youth we have who've been in a transitional housing program, homelessness has declined. However, there's many, many young people who have not been able to access these programs. And we sadly recognize that many of those youth, maybe they never were in foster care, so they, they weren't able to access our particular program. So there's a lot of work still to be done to provide housing for all our our young people everywhere. I mean, ours is just a small subsection of specifically foster youth, but certainly we are seeing some initial positive uh, results with our young people, especially in terms of graduating high school with young people leaving this program. Do you remember many of our young people, whilst they've been in foster care, have often moved multiple times, had not had the opportunity to complete their high school education. Also with um, having some work experience, also we have seen positive increases. And also with our youth kind of enrolling in community colleges, in vocational programs, and being able to move forward into housing. And even if a youth has to leave our program, we work extremely hard to make sure that they're not leaving to homelessness, to identify other types of programs available. Right. Well, 
You've grown quite a bit over the last eight years. Are you going to continue to expand, do you think? There definitely is always a need to expand. I would love to say there was never a need to expand these programs. And so we will continue to expand as needed in areas. I mean, some of the challenges we have, again, is with the high cost of rents. And we work very much with other advocacy groups in California, really looking at how that can be assisted with some subsidies in certain areas, because at the moment we, we get paid the same area throughout California. Through some advocacy that is changing this summer, that it will change a little bit where we will get some increases in certain areas where rents are high, such as in LA and San Diego, which will definitely help. But it is a very much needed program. And as we develop the program, it is very, very much needed. We always have multiple applicants wanting to come into the program and it's, you know, extremely busy. Right. Right. Yeah, it would be nice to be able to not have to be in business at all. But for those young people who need it, I'm glad you are. Yes. And it's, it's a very important program. Um, if we think the majority of, of young people growing up in nurturing families, they have somewhere to turn. You know, they're not asked to leave on their 18th birthday. So the impact of being able to offer these types of programs, these are our young people who make up our community of tomorrow. So it's very important that we invest in our young people now in order to help our community succeed in the future. Right. You had mentioned funding. I think this would be a good time to ask you if you do accept donations, and if so, if anyone listening wanted to donate to your program, how would they do that? Absolutely. The funding we receive from the state covers the minimal. All the additional comes from wonderful donations. And anyone listening is welcome to go to our website and there is a donate now button that you can donate specifically to support our young people. Donations we get goes for all the extra. For example, at the holiday times, we can provide some additional gifts. Uh, during the COVID times, it's allowed us to make sure every youth has access to a laptop, the internet. It helps us furnish our apartments with new furniture we want our youth to be able to move in somewhere that they can take pride in. It allows us to provide all those additional items that are needed to make the program successful for our young people. And for those who are listening, say on a podcast distribution channel versus our website, what is your website address? Our website is waldenfamily.org. If you Google that, you'll see it come up and there's a very informative website that talks about all our different programs and how we're supporting our young people in the community. Okay, well, thank you very much. Now, you've mentioned COVID and that's one of the things I wanted to ask about is how has the last year in this pandemic, how has it affected your youth and what have you been able to do to support them through this? As for everyone, it's been extremely challenging times and we're just very amazed at how adaptive our youth and staff have been able to be. The initial reaction was making sure all our youth had access to laptops, to making sure that they had the smartphones, that they were able to communicate because one of the major concerns was isolation and concerns about some of our youth, especially those with more fragile mental health. We worked hard and again, that's where some of our donations came in. 
And then through iFoster and John Burton Advocates for Youth, uh, our youth were were provided with laptops, hotspots, to make sure every youth had the ability to continue to communicate. Also making sure our youth, especially with the initial shortages, our housing specialists became super shoppers, different organisations were donating, cleaning supplies, different items to make sure our youth had what they needed to keep themselves healthy. We also have an amazing nurse who works for us. Every youth that needed to quarantine or became COVID positive, she actually individually called, went through with them what they needed to do to make sure they continue to be healthy, to support them. Our staff have been amazing and made sure that groceries were delivered to the home of any youth that was isolating or quarantining, that they had plenty of PPE and that they were able to keep as um, healthy as possible. And your your meetings, I would imagine, case management meetings and such had to get online all of a sudden. Yes, everything was done on Zoom. However, because of health safety, many of our workers still did go out as needed. And then pretty much since July, we've been going out at least once a month more as needed to meet with our youth, making sure we follow any health precautions able to uh, make sure that we do our health check-ins and screenings and especially due to social isolation of many of our youth even if it meant our worker was taking a walk wearing their mask with the youth and making sure we're communicating as much as needed to make sure our mental health of our youth is good as well. We were very concerned sadly to begin with as with many many of our youth were working in the hospitality industry Um, a lot of them lost their jobs And one of the big struggles with many young people, not just foster care, but many young people have struggled with the transfer to online learning. It has been more of a challenge. After the first few months, many of our youth again were able to find jobs in where there was a huge demand, such as um, in the grocery stores, in the delivery centers. So a good number of our youth are working part time again, which I think really helps. But we have been hit badly like everywhere, especially I would say in the last quarter, we have sadly had more more youth and staff and everyone who has struggled with COVID the last quarter has been really difficult as if everywhere in the United States. But amazingly, staff have been so creative. We have done competitions with Zoom. We've done some painting competitions. We've had some amazing artwork done by our youth. We have had online Christmas parties or holiday celebrations. We've done, brought in all sorts of training. Many different training groups have been willing to do a Zoom training for our youth. And we've done very, very creative and different activities to help engage our youth, both with each other and with the different resources. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm just curious, from your observations, does it seem like the young people who have roommates might have fared a little bit better through this time because they did have somebody they were living with versus those who were living on their own? I think it depends. I think sometimes it can work both ways, depending on the personality of our individual youth. Some of our youth found it more stressful, I think, living with someone else because they were suddenly thrown together all day, every day. You know, some of my youth found that challenging. Um, Some also did feel very isolated on their own. 
probably about 70% of our youth are in a shared apartment. So I think it could work both ways. I think it was tremendously traumatic for some youth. Some youth were able to just continue on and did very well, considering other youth really, really struggled, especially, I think, with isolation. And that's where, you know, we really were thankful that both our own mental health services and the other community mental health we work with were able to support our young people at this time. I can just just applaud the amount of creativity, both with our staff and other organizations, being able to bring in different types of online trainings and support, utilizing Zoom. I mean, we'll definitely have a generation who are very, very comfortable with all online formats in future, which will be a skill that will hopefully really benefit them in the future. So I always try and look positively. I I like that. I'll keep that in mind, too. Well, let me ask you this then, and and you actually do some advocacy there. So you might even have some things in your plans in regard to this. But how do you think the foster care system can be improved moving forward? And not just necessarily specific to this COVID crisis, but just in general, how do you think the system itself can do better to help young people age out of care? And that is a very good question. I do a lot of advocacy. I work, I am on the board of directors of FFTA, which is a national organization. And I'm also very involved with California Alliance for Children and Family Services. And ideally, the new federal Families First Act is going to make a huge difference because it's actually allowing a lot more money to go in preventative services. Because then we wouldn't be bringing as many children in foster care. We'd really be investing in our families to help keep children within their family or extended family. Many of our youth have grown up in foster care and they've broken those ties with their extended family and sometimes their community. In an ideal world, bringing less children into foster care and really utilizing as more and more resources to support families and help families before their situation becomes to such a degree that a child needs to be removed from their care. And then really working with our young people before they get to the age of emancipation, believing that there's a family out there for every young person, every child that comes to us, really looking for that family link where they can have a forever family. Walden has always worked very much with all families and all children. We have received the seal of approval from the Human Rights Campaign, being a welcoming and affirming agency, both working for many years with LGBTQI children and our LGB families, really supporting children from all different families of all different ethnicities, races, religions, and really working with all. So ideally, if a child is not able to return back to their extended family, then working towards a permanent forever family for that child for adoption. So that child will always have supportive adults there. Right. I think ideally that would be the situation that we'd want all our young people to to be in is to either connect with extended family or an adopted family. But let's say that can't happen and you have young people who still have to age out of the system. Are there any changes that you've thought of that the system could put into place to either help young people better prepare to age out or to better support them once they have aged out? 
Absolutely. So some of those supports are making sure that there is sufficient funding is one of our large advocacy efforts, that there's sufficient funding to continue to provide the types of housing programs that Walden and many other agencies provide that really reflect the cost of running our programs, that there can be sufficient housing programs available for all youth. So we shouldn't necessarily have to have waiting lists for our youth, that there should be availability of our programs for all youth that need these supportive programs, helping prepare our youth prior to becoming 18. Walden does some independent living classes in some counties for our youth who have reached 16 and helping develop those skills, making sure that there is the opportunity for all youth to have a mentor would be something that is extremely important that the youth have someone outside of their social worker that is invested and interested in them. So mentoring is extremely important for our young people. Making sure that, as I said, that there's sufficient ongoing funding and even when they leave our program that there is still some subsidised housing available until they can develop the skills and reach that income level where they can move in to be able to afford their own housing. Yeah, it seems like the extended foster care years could be the ideal time to set up, say this is phase two of your foster care. You're in our system. We have promised to take care of you. We're going to take care of you in a foster home, ideally until the age of 18. And then from there, we're going to put you in a transitional living situation where you can learn these life skills and learn how to live on your own. And then at 21, we'll make sure that you have the supports around you, but you're going to go and be able to live on your own at that point. Would it make sense to make that kind of extended foster care transitional living experience mandatory? Well, when a young person reaches 18, they technically would would have choice as they're adults, but they would be welcome to join that program. A lot of young people don't do it, though. What we find is sometimes young people will go off and try and manage on their own and realize that it's a struggle. And then they come back in and that we can welcome them and provide them with that housing and that support as needed. It's important that we always allow our youth to make their own choices, but that they are able to make informed choice and that they have equal access to the opportunities that are there. What about a supervised transitional living at age, say, you know, right before they turn 18? I know of a residential school locally here that they do that when the young person's a senior in high school. They actually live in kind of a quasi-independent living situation so that they can learn how to manage their own apartment, for example. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility, maybe. That there are some uh, programs that do provide a, a similar program to that here in California for 16 to 18 year olds. There are some beds where it is a supervised, where you have some staff living on site. So there is that option as well for some youth. And again, that may work for some, some youth as another option of choice. So really allowing our young people to feel empowered that they do have some choices and that we're able to support them with the choices they make and continue them in their learning process so that they can to become successful adults living independently in their community and give back to others in the future. So it sounds like it boils down to just making sure you have choices that will enable them to gain the skills and the knowledge that they need. And I think that's so important because sometimes our youth feel so disempowered that they don't have youth voice 
So whatever we do, we work very closely with our young people and recognize that they have youth voice and what they're suggesting and their choices in all the advocacy that we do, making sure that we are asking our youth, what is it that they need? What is it that would help them? So encouraging our youth to use their voice peacefully, but in appropriate ways that they can speak out themselves. So it sounds like really effective case management and uh, mentoring would help them get to the point of making the good choices in their life. Absolutely. And also the importance of organizations like ourselves will employ former foster youth because youth will listen to other young people, especially if they've been in similar situations in their lives. Yeah. Well, I I hate to wrap this up. This is a really interesting discussion, but we are at the end of our time. So I want to ask just one last question. What is it that you love the most about your organization? I love that our organization are willing to embrace our staff and allow with the issues that are going on in the community that we will always look to how we can work together with others to support our young people in the community. And that isn't us alone, but uh, for the opportunity to work with all the other organizations, both advocacy organizations and organizations like ourselves, to come up with different programs and different ways that we can help our young people. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sue. I really appreciate that you've shared about your organization and you're doing some wonderful things out there in California. I wish I were closer so that I could come visit, (laughs) but thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity for us to share some of the work we're doing. You're welcome. I'm very glad that you could. And for those who have listened to the end of the podcast, thank you very much for doing so. We try to put out a podcast every couple of weeks or so. So look for our next one uh, in about two weeks about another great organization doing wonderful things for young people aging out of foster care like Walden Family Services is doing in California. 